Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and I've got a normal episode for you today after the three-week hiatus following the end of uh, Halloween season. Just took some time recovering, and uh, now I'm back. Uh, this episode's been backlogged for a little bit, so one thing is uh, my allergies were kind of acting up when I recorded it, and um, you know, if you hear a cough here and there, I uh, apologize in advance. I promise I did not pass any sickness on to our esteemed guest this week, who is none other than Aiden Supel. Aiden has been on uh, a few times before. He's a good friend of mine, a huge movie fan, and um, you can actually uh, find his new book. He came out with a book called Mind Glimpse, which you can find on Amazon. It's a wonderful little book um, full of short stories that he wrote. Um, you can read it in... Honestly, like less than a day. Um, it's a very easy read. He's just a, he's a fun writer, um, really creative, um, a deep thinker too. Uh, but also kind of he's the kind of guy who's like he's like a deep thinker when he wants to be, but he's also capable of not being one. Uh, if that makes sense, and I mean that in the best way. <laughs> like like he's not always on. Um, but uh, yeah, can't recommend the book enough. Uh, go check out Mind Glimpse, and um, Aiden also uh, came on the podcast to talk about Tickled, which is a pretty famous documentary uh, from a few years ago. I don't want to spoil much about it here. We'll get into it. What I will say is I highly recommend going and watching it. It's one of the most incredible documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, incredibly entertaining, insanely like dense in terms of just the tones and the way it unfolds and it's just so unpredictable it is jaw-dropping um really you should go see tickled uh because you're gonna hear us recap it give our thoughts on it and um uh, spoiler alert uh i really liked it um and obviously aiden likes it so um but after you watch the movie come back here and please enjoy uh this very ticklish episode of we are movies All right, cool. We actually started now. Yeah. We're good. We're okay. on air. <laughs> Is it Steven Seagal on your phone? That, it's it's Steven Seagal with, uh, instead of a goatee, it's a donut, which was a, a Nick Mullen bit from Cumbtown, oh, actually. Nice. I showed it to him when I met him in Chicago, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's my bit. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, I think it's an amalgamation of everything that I represent as a person. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, um, uh riffy, uh, flabby stand-up comedy bits uh and um steven seagal so yeah no definitely yeah um uh this is your first time i guess this is our first time recording an episode in no not in person because we did one we did. with a degwa in yeah, person yeah the five hour epic five hour yeah. one where we were snowed in yeah and got trashed yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe just me i don't know yeah um but uh maybe just me and Indegua. um but also the first time we've only talked about one movie. Again. Yeah, I'm really excited to just focus on one thing for an hour yeah. or so. Not just be be compiling lists, not yeah. make it a one-upsmanship. As much as that, as much fun as that is, and as <laughs> excited as I am if we do it this year, yeah, I'm I'm also excited to just you know just focus. So I briefly want to ask, and even though you are a recurring guest, mm-hmm. since we've never done sort of a normal episode, I've never really asked this question of you. Uh, briefly, like, where do you think? You got started at becoming a movie person. How did that begin? Um, like I cite it back to 
like whenever we talk about like why we're in like I'm taking a creative writing class right now and we were talking about like why um we kind of got into writing and why we got into storytelling I always cite it back to just watching the original Toy Story on VHS Hmm. and that and what and it specifically was like having the DVD of that and watching the behind the scenes features of that of that movie yeah and like the storyboarding and the animating and the voice recording and the writing and all that stuff that really inspired my love of um john lasseter oh yeah sorry (laughs) of hugging hugging for too long um but (laughs) sorry (laughs) no it's okay um but it's like yeah it started my love of storytelling in movies was just that original toy story and the pixar lore that came afterwards Mm -hmm. so yeah that's why i'm as a big of a movie person as I am today. Yeah, it began with animation. Yeah. And it still is animation. That's still yes. a big focus of yours. I it think. is a big focus of mine. That and like, you know, yeah, because I see, I see, I feel like it's not like, a, I feel like it's like, it's a disservice for Letterboxd to have it as a genre on, oh, yeah. on, on that. Because it's not a genre. It's just a it's platform. A form. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I wonder what I would compare it to. Like, is there something else well, because there's like comedy and drama within them, right? And yes. adventure and action and horror, even. horror. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so, but it makes me wonder if animation's not a genre and it is like it's like a form. Is that do we compare that to the difference between like film and digital, or do we compare it to like what else is there, or is it just live action and animation? Are those the, is that the duality? You know. I, yeah, yeah, no, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I because well, then there's combinations of the two, like Roger, like Roger Rabbit. Yes, yeah, 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 definitely. And then obviously the different forms of animation of stop motion and two <coughs> D and three D, two D, three D, hand drawn, computer, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we've uh, we, we we connected on movies long ago, uh, back in twenty eighteen. Uh, we're both red letter media fans. I remember, yes. and that was a big that was a big thing. Um, so, uh, you had a list of movies. Yeah. That you would potentially was this a list you always had with you? Of I've had it for a while actually. Like okay. I feel like I created this list just a while ago. Of, like, yeah. um, movies that I wanted to do. Like I've had this for at least a couple months at least. Okay. Before we die, we'll do all of them. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. Do, yeah, before, before we're in the ground, we're just feet below. Don't add more to the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, the movie you picked was Tickled. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I had actually never seen. Yeah. I had heard a lot of about it. A, a lot about it. I think the first time I heard about it was YMS. YMS. Yeah. 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 yeah YMS. He either did a review or it was on maybe his top ten of twenty sixteen or something. Something like that. Yeah. And that's when I first heard about it, and I was like, "That's interesting." And mm-hmm. it was always something in the back of my mind. Is like that's definitely something I'd want to watch. But and this is something uh, always. I think we get into conversations with Indegua about this too, about like why we watch certain things at different times. Yeah. And I'm just a big like, like, dude, there are so many movies that he'll tell me to watch. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It sounds great. But I just need to, I just need to get, I need to get there. I need to get like emotionally be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch this and not, uh, you know, um, Hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun. I saw that. Or Sorority Dis- Babes of the Slime Ball Bullarama. You I know? saw Hobo with a Shotgun at Disc Traders today and I almost got it for you. <laughs> because, but I was like, the sad thing is, I was like, he probably owns it. He probably, I don't own it, actually. Okay. No, uh, for future reference. Uh, for Christmas, maybe. Well, okay. <laughs> um, it could be when we do our another five hour episode. It could yeah. be another gift. Um, but yeah, no, I, was, uh, I watched it last night. 
and I was blown away. I thought it was incredible. Um, do, are you much of a documentary person in general? Or? Not like I re- like if I look at the number I've seen that I've logged on Letterboxd, it's mm. really it's relatively low. Okay, so what? Um, what? How did you first come into this movie? I first came into it because I like I was obviously like really recommended to it by YMS, mm-hmm. and I just it was like this idea of like the the underground like vileness yeah. of uh <laughs> an underground tickling ring i just think that was like if there's going to be any movie a documentary that gets me into that genre or that that <laughs> format i'm just like yeah it's something uh, silly something like silly that. absurd yeah. Yeah. but like that i had some like journal like i like journalistic stuff too yeah and so like this also has that of like discovering and unraveling the truth. Was that ever a direction that you considered going with your life? I did like I did a little bit of like entertainment journalism in oh, okay. that, but like never I was like, but I never was like, oh, I want to like find the next Catholic sex scandal. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah I want to be like the guys in Spotlight. Yeah, I, I uh, that's an idea I always had. Where <clears throat> when I wrote, did you write for the school paper? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I wrote for the school paper too, and we. Um, I at first had this idea that it's like oh, I'm going to be a muckraker. I'm going to hold <laughs> I'm going to hold Stuco to <laughs> to high standards. Uh, and then quickly I was like, no, I'm just writing about movies. And yeah. I, I had a column called Movies with Mockney, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I wrote for. But um, I uh, yeah, it's always the thing that I mean, journalism. We want journalists to be heroes. Yeah, we want journalists. Our idea of the perfect journalist is somebody who's on. Undoing some huge house of cards. Yeah. Right? And that's like, that's every movie about a journalist spotlight or all the president's men or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that. And so, um, that's, I think, first and foremost, what's so satisfying about this movie. Yes. Is that you see, I, I, I want to call it journalism at the same time. I understand some people who object to it being called journalism. Uh, but, but either way, it's somebody investigating, finding yeah. out a lot of information, and almost 100% getting what they want out of it, too. Yeah. And, they, well, and there's a reporting, what they yeah. find, and that's part yeah. of journalism, too. I like that the very beginning of the movie is uh, we're meeting the filmmaker, David. Yeah. Uh, David. He, well, Farrier. We should probably specify. There's two Davids. There's yeah. two Davids, but David very Farrier. important. <laughs> right, right. The villain and the protagonist are both named David. Yes, exactly. It's a real, like, uh, that, that classic duality of... Uh, Hero and the hero and villain foils of each other, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, where David Ferrier, the opening credits is just establishing who he is as yeah. a uh, as a journalist. Had you seen any of his uh, like bits that he's done, like through? You know, I recognized him yeah. when I saw him, but I couldn't specifically remember any bits. I feel like I've seen like some like he used to, like I feel like he does like a lot of like abs- like talks about a lot of absurdities in the world, right? And that's, I think, really important to the movie, is yeah. they establish this guy's like a pop reporter. He's a guy who just, he looks up kind of funny, entertaining stuff. You see him interviewing mm-hmm. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, you see him interviewing, um, you know, he's in, just, uh, uh, yeah, interviewing like, like New some... New Zealand farmers and stuff Yeah, like a that. Viking guy, like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's in New Zealand too. Uh, so it's like, oh, he's probably a much bigger deal in New Zealand, was something yes. I kind of thought about, was mm-hmm. he's probably, I'm sure Pete, he might even be a household name, I'm not really sure. Yeah, he's probably um, like the... Uh, Who's like the equivalent to that here? He's, he's the Walter Cronkite of yeah. <laughs> New Zealand. Of pop New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe he's controversial. Maybe he's like the Tucker Carlson of New Zealand. <laughs> you know? You never yeah. know. Yeah, oh, no, definitely. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so I, I enjoyed that because that kind of sets you up for Hutz how he got into something way over his head and didn't yeah. really realize what Be- he was doing. Because the, the is it okay if we talk about like we're gonna Let's, talk about we'll this talk story about thing. everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into it. Because the movie starts off the plot starts rolling when he messages Jane O'Brien Media, this company that he has found that's producing this tickling content. Right. Which start, is men in athletic Adidas wear. Adidas wear. Uh, bound by their feet and arms, yeah. being tickled on on like their armpits, their feet, and their abdomen by yeah. multiple men, and giggling, and giggling, yes. like laughing as you would. It's not it, the thing is is that like they don't, and what we learn is that it's not. They say it's competitive endurance tickling. That's the sport title, <laughs> even though they endure it horribly. They're well, just giggling the entire I was time gonna because say, they're vetted for that reason. I was going to say the biggest thing I was thinking of is like what um what is the criteria for for who who wins competitively. <laughs> Because they're forced to endure it. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, they're bound. So, yeah. like, it's and if you're not allowed to laugh, they're all bad at it because they all laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't really know. Even though that's the point of what this company and this overlying figure of Dave D'Amato is doing is he's vetting these people to make sure that he's getting the content that he wants. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that he wants young, athletic men like, like the idea But not is, in a gay way. Not in a gay way. No. No, as, it's, as they, they go out of their way. <laughs> That's the funniest. Because also the tonal, the, the tonal progression of this movie goes from silly to, like, creepy and disturbing. Yes. Very well. Oh, Where yeah. at the end of the movie, transition. I was not laughing. No. I probably didn't laugh for the last 20 minutes. But early on, I was like, I was doubled over a couple times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that re- realization that when he reaches out to Jane O'Brien Media, they say like they don't want any business with a yeah. gay journalist. It's de- yeah, Debbie Kuhn. Debbie is the, Kuhn. Is the alias or so. That's She's speaking on behalf. She's yeah. speaking on behalf of Jane O'Brien Media. Yeah. And... They are just like, they don't want to deal with him because he's a homosexual reporter, even right. though we learn in the supplementary documentary he's that he's bi. Yeah. So. Irrelevant to them. He, he <laughs> I guess he lives with a man or something, yeah. according. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they are just, they, they just make it stay, they, they want to make it clear that it's a heterosexual sport. Yes. Is this right. endurance tickling. And, and, and being associated. But it's not, not just that. It's not just a... PR move of like, yeah. oh, we don't want to be associated with a homosexual reporter. They keep badgering him, like harassing him. Oh, no. Saying shame horrible. on you, calling like, him slurs. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty rough. Like, it is it is bad, but he yeah. takes it like a champ. He, like, he yeah. laughs it off, honestly, because he's so confused by it. Well, and I think my favorite thing about about David Ferrier and uh, who, who's his co-director, Kyle? Or? Oh, David, or uh, um, I wrote his, Kevin. Kevin, sorry. No, 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 sorry. Dylan. Dylan. There is a Kevin. There's but yeah, Kevin. Dylan. We'll Dylan, is Kevin. The, Dylan is the co-director. Yeah. And um, the thing about them is that they're kind of like children. They're provoked by being told not to. Yeah. You know? like, um, And that's what I like about the movie is that you meet multiple real journalists, quote-unquote real journalists, mm-hmm. you know, like people that really already delved into this. Yeah. But you realize this is a case that needed to be broken by a couple of like M- MTV troublemakers, yeah. kind of, is what they are, you people know? People don't care about breaking into someone's house or, I mean, like, abrading them on the street yep. or something like that. Exactly, exactly. And so and so I understand, and we'll, at the end of it, I'll get to some negative letterboxed reviews. Yeah. But that is something that kind of comes up, is, like, the idea that, yeah, this isn't journalism, this is, you know, performance art or something. An expose. Yeah. An expose, and it's like, sure, yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. But the question to be asked is, 
what did it take to reveal what they revealed? You know, yeah. like the, it, it's kind of like they found that they were lucky to find like an open document. Right, right. Well, it's like the dirty dozen. It's like they're the only guys for the job. You know, right. <laughs> it's like it's like who else? Would you want a real journalist? You think they would have gotten this far? <laughs> like, no, it's obs- it's just a couple of obsessed. Like yeah. pop reporters, yeah. Right. It, it, encouraged by the fact that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, supposedly. Yeah. Well, around every single corner, there are higher and higher stakes telling them to not go further. But I'm su- I was surprised in the first five minutes, they kind of already established, like, oh, there's something weird going on. Yeah. This Jane O'Brien media, something's up with them. And there's, it's revealed that she is represented by a company called, I think, Niederstein. Yes. And they own hundreds of domain websites. All tickle-based. Tickle yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, fantastic. Like, that's just so... Because then immediately you're like, what? The, the, there's this web. There's this conspiracy yeah. <laughs> happening. There's hundreds of tickle domain websites owned by this company yeah. in case they need to use it for their tickling content. Right. And, and so the sentence that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's where I think there's a, there's a version of this documentary where it... It goes as far as like, oh, wow, this tickling thing, isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know? Like, there's a section of the movie where they interview a guy who's just a tickle fetishist. Yeah. Like, a guy who That's makes... That's one of the best parts of the movie. Yes. And he makes... It's sort of a detour, but you get to know people who actually openly fetishize tickling. They say, yeah. you know, this is a gay thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are doing this for, for, for sexual pleasure. And you see people doing that, and... You're like, there's a version of this documentary that's just that. Yeah. That's just, hey, let's get to know these kinds of guys and what they do. Yeah. But, and you can see that for David Ferrier, that was probably his original intention. Yeah. And then it, this is, instead it's a conspiracy about identity theft and yeah. <laughs> various other things. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, following the, the breadcrumbs, the trail, uh, he, after figuring this out, um, where does he go next after that? He... They receive a letter from a lawyer saying that legal action is being filed and that they need to cease what they're doing. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then they send three representatives representatives for Jane O'Brien Media. Who are such characters. But the thing is is that I wrote down that there's a Nathan Fielder-esque gag in this movie, which is when they arrive at the airport and he has a decorated sign saying welcome in like a crazy font like a birthday yeah. font yeah, and he's yeah. just holding it like welcome to new zealand and that's where you get you have to have kind of a goofy guy yeah. doing this documentary to get who's not afraid like to like put himself out there in real situations like right that. like nathan fielder yeah you know, like a fearless guy who's just like all right let's do it yeah. yeah and he goes there he greets the three representatives of jane o'brien media yeah uh, did you write down their names uh um, if not, I'll find it. It's uh, because these guys are. There was Kevin, obviously. Kevin's the white-haired guy, I believe. Kevin is. No, Kevin's. Um... No, Kevin is like the nice one. Kevin's the nice one. Kevin is sort of the face of the operation. But he's you know he's, he's, he's very like probably really fucked up because oh, oh yeah. Well, you can kind of tell he's a strange guy too. He's yeah. like a strangely polite guy. Yeah. He comes up and he's like, oh, like he's so flattered by the sign yeah. and he shakes his hand. But you can tell like it's if there's a good cop bad cop thing, yeah. he's the good cop. Mm-hmm. And then there's the white haired older fellow. I read his name down. <clears throat> who's um. No, no, no. I, no, no. Kevin Kevin is the white-haired guy. Okay. That's my mistake. No, it's okay. Um, um, 
I can't remember. I don't think I wrote down all their names. But anyway, there's those two guys, and then... There's like a crackhead guy. There's a third guy who's always wearing a wife beater. Yeah. In every situation. And he never... I don't think he says a word. He, he, he maybe remember. I think at one point he, he off screen. Like, he says something when he closes the door when they go to the shoot. Well, and the, when they're at the airport, the white haired guy is saying like uh, he starts. He immediately gets very hostile towards David Ferrier for recording them, and mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, "Oh, you're showing me disrespect," and that's your first kind of clue. It's like something's off about all these guys. Yeah, and then like you hear, I think you hear the guy and the wife beater saying like. Um, Oh yeah, I'm not comfortable with it either. But the camera yeah. pans to him, and he just looks strung out. Like <laughs> there's a couple shots of him that are just funny on their own. Yeah. Just look at that guy. He's just standing there. He looks like the guy from Breaking Bad. Oh, Skinny Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does look like Skinny Pete, and that's where you're like, he's kind of the dead giveaway. The other two guys, there's something off about him. Yeah. But you're but he's like, like the actual like sketchy looking guy. He's like yeah. You're like that's a guy. That he they look like white collar. He's blue collar. Yes. Man. Yeah. Certainly. He's the guy who they have closed doors for a living. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I love that. And I love just immediately when you meet these three guys, you're like, oh, these these are characters. There's something yeah. going on. And and we'll talk about, we'll talk more about Kevin, the white-haired guy, or whatever his name. We'll call him the white-haired guy in case right. we get it wrong. Because he's incredibly important. Because, well, especially during The Tickle King, which we'll talk about later. Right, exactly. Which is a, the semi-sequel. It's a semi-sequel, but it's so important to the documentary. You need to watch both. Very important, yeah, to the legacy it of... It finishes the story, in a sense. It, it like, yeah. concludes it. Like, this movie's good ending is really well done, mm-hmm. but you need to... Because it's so unnecessary to the story. Yeah, yeah. No, that... I'm glad you told me to watch that, too, because that went even further and I actually kind of my jaw kind of dropped at what happened oh, yeah. so we will get to that um but I uh yeah I, did, I like what were your thoughts when you got this far and when it started unraveling did you know what type of documentary you were seeing from the beginning or I was knew it that it was gonna I knew that I think I think I knew that it had like a kind of twisted edge to it yeah but like and I knew that I assumed that like some sort of corruptness was going on with this but, like, the degree to which it is and mm. with what's all revealed, like, you, I don't think anyone is prepared for, like, what it truly becomes. Yes, yeah. Um, and I love that you get these guys who, they, they talk like mobsters. Because yeah. they're, they're, they're obviously, all they're threatening with, they say, is legal action. Yeah. But there is, like, a, oh, yeah, I'm glad you're trying to back off. But, uh, yeah, you should get Dylan to back off because I know he has a family. Yeah. And they say these <laughs> very ominous things. Yeah. And, and I love how it's cut, intercut with seeing Dylan playing with his family. Yeah. His, like, his kids, just yeah. to, like, establish the stakes. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, they're talking like, yeah, it'd be shame if something would have happened to him, you know? Yeah. And they even say that thing... Uh, <clears throat> They even say, like, oh, like, they're like, have you even met Jane O'Brien? And they're like, don't need to. And I'm like, right. well, that's a little concerning. You don't know who employs you. Yeah. That immediately, the idea that these people don't even not, know. It's not even like a CEO and you're like a low-level employee. It's like a, I'm a high-ranking official of this company and I don't even yeah. know who's above me. Right. I don't even know if they're real. I'm a high-ranking official of this company and I'm basically at... At Jay Gatsby's party, yeah. <laughs> like Jay, Gat- I don't know the person in charge yeah. of any of this. The person behind the curtain, right? Uh, so that, yeah, that automat- that opens more questions. It's like the fact that they even say, "I don't know Jane." Yeah, you're kind of like you're just you're inviting more people to try to figure. Well, then who the hell is Jane? Yeah, like, um, but then I think as the documentary unfolds, it made me wonder. 
do they really not know who Jane is or are they well aware of who it is and they're just saying, we don't know Jane, you know? we. I feel like we learn later that at least Kevin does. At least Kevin, yeah. Because yes. obviously because, the Tickle King. Yeah, when, when you see the Tickle King, yeah. you become more aware of like... Their relationships their with relationship each other. Their relationship with each other. Yes. Um, but the other two, Skinny Pete and Nice Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they might... Yeah. But it's utterly up to interpretation. Right, right. It is up to interpretation. And I kind of like... I like that even at the end of this, there's still so much that's ambiguous. It's like, there's this John Wick-like universe yeah. on the, the the margins of this movie yeah. that you feel like we've only discovered what what they've allowed us to discover. Or the, or not what they've allowed us, but like, we, we only know what we know, basically. Yeah. And it's like, if what we know is true, how much else is there? And... Because it starts and the answer off. Answer is so much. Yes, yes. There's so much. I'll tell you a certain point. It's of almost this. too big to film. <clears throat> it's almost too big of a story to film. Yeah, because there's it's so deep. It's deserving of books. Like yes. uh, I, the part, the point in the documentary where my jaw dropped, and it, it did multiple times. But one of the biggest moments was obviously you. They they go out and they try to get. Um, interviews with people who have participated in the tickling videos. Yes. And they only get one guy yeah. at first who... Oh, TJ. TJ. Uh, he's foot, like the, she's like a gym bro. T- gym bro, high school football coach. Yes. Um, and you find out, like, yeah, he was pressed for money at the time, so they got him to do it. And that's where you kind of really get an idea of what operation they're running here. Yeah. Where they, <clears throat> they bribe these people, this company, Jane O'Brien, whoever she is, bribes these people with... A ton yeah. of we, money and we, gifts. We, we learn that later. We'll, we'll talk about its relation to Michigan. Right. Okay. That because that's where my jaw dropped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about its relationship there. But with TJ, yeah, he's like he just described it as like a shady kind of uh, operation. He said he was like um, he was told that it was for like was going to be used for like military tactics. Like, like he was torture. lied to. Yeah. Like yeah. torture. He's and, from. He's in L.A. TJ. Yeah. He's right? in L.A. Okay. Yes. He's in L.A. Yeah. And. Um, but his story is, which is similar to, I think most of these participant stories is that he, when he like, look, he Googled himself, I believe, and he found, uh, that the video was on YouTube, on on YouTube. Of him doing And so he was able to convince YouTube to take it down because he didn't like consent to it. And I can say the video where he's being interviewed, I've never seen a more uncomfortable person. Yeah. He's like sweaty. He's yeah. just this pale, like blank face of the, a clear, like I don't know what I'm participating in. Yeah, but I'm here, so I'm doing it. You yeah, know? like he knows that like something's on the line if he while like, doing this interview. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And like I would love to know like what his story is now. Yeah. Because like who knows if his life was completely ruined by this. Right. I mean, obviously, he for some somehow he was incentivized to participate in the documentary. Yeah. You know, because obviously, well, his life was ruined before the documentary because he. He was, like, I believe he was, like, fired from football teams. Yes, couldn't get future jobs Because they, they would, basically what they would do is they would publish websites yeah. with his name on it that said, like, oh, he's a pedophile. He's, like, a child molester. He's, like, a horrible person. Right. And they, like, put all these words in association with him. Yeah. So if you Google him, you just find all this horrible, tickling, fetish, kind of <laughs> right. horrible shit. And I was explaining it to, I was trying to explain this to Austin last mm-hmm. night after I watched <clears> it. <throat> My roommate, uh, and he was kind of confused. He's like, "Well, it's just videos of them like being tickled. Is there not worse things?" And it's just like, I was like, "But to American people, to like people who don't understand, 
that's an image. It's an image of a man being bound and tickled by other men. Yeah. Even though there's nothing on the surface sexual about it, all you have to do is send that video to an employer and they're just like, yeah, we're not having this. Yeah. Like, we don't even want to unpack it. You yeah. know? It doesn't need to be explicitly sexual for them to just say, like, this is not... Representative of our company. Exactly. Or... Too many people are going to ask questions. Yeah. Like... It would affect their... Mean, right. It would affect their company. All it needs to be is weird. It doesn't need to be... Sexual. Sexual. Weird. People look at things that are weird and they kind of... They put a sexual lens onto it most yeah. of the times anyway. You know? Yeah. Things that we don't understand. We're like, like oh, was, it must be a sex thing. Yeah. It's like I was thinking like, oh, what if you just posted a video of yourself like eating peanut butter out of the jar with your hand? Everyone yeah. would assume like, oh, that person's got some sort of nut butter fetish. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it's a great point. Um... And so, yeah, I felt so sorry for TJ at that point. He's yeah. like, he has a very sympathetic story there because, yeah, he just got he got doxxed and because uh, they posted his personal information yeah. out there. They did, yeah. yeah. And this was from this was from Debbie Kuhn. We get into so Jane O'Brien Media is related to Debbie Kuhn, and then yeah. we know later that there's a character called uh, Terry Sisto, right? Terry. Uh, Terry Terry DeSisto. Terry DeSisto. Terry DeSisto. We'll learn about her and her. Enterprise. Yes. In a few, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we and we actually learned about Terry through the pornographer, quote unquote pornographer, right? Because he had known her through some chat rooms. Yes. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our I can't remember what his name is, but he's the one that like is explicitly saying, "Oh, yeah. this is a fetish thing for me." Yes. And yeah. He's, yeah. He's a success story. That yes. guy. No, the way he was like in a year, I was able to quit my job. Yeah. I was able to do this full and he's time. He's like, "This is my this is my office. This isn't even where I live." Yeah. And I'm like, "You have a tickling." He has a tickling studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that blew my mind. I liked when he said, uh, that way I, like, because, you know, I don't have to clean up. Yeah. I was kind of like, what are you... Oh, I forgot about that. That opened up more questions. It kind of, it made me wonder, like, is this just tickling or is it, or is it tickling and To porn? success. Yeah. Right. Is it tickling to, to, to finish? Yeah. There's so much, there's so much to unpack that we don't entirely get into. Um, but... Yeah, so after that point, after they talk to TJ, they that's go, when they... I think that's when they go to the... The shoot. The, the shoot, yeah. yeah. And, um... It's very... That's only... That's probably, like, maybe one of the most... Just, like, only... Like, I love this movie. But it's yeah. probably one of the most, like, kind of, like, lackluster moments of the movie. Because nothing really, like... They don't really get too much out of it as compared <laughs> to, like, the rest of it. Because they, like, just sit outside in the car. And then they go inside... And then they're chewed out, and that's right. it. Right, because they follow the guys that came to New Zealand. They follow them to their shoot in... Uh, are they in L.A. or are they in New York at that point? They were in L.A. They were in L.A., point. yeah. And so, yeah, they... don't they... get to New York until the, towards the end of the movie. Right, so they try to do like a, hey, let's get in there, and and then they, yeah, they lock them out. They just say, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Um, so they get spotted. But that automatically, I'm like, those other guys, you think those other guys being like, last time we saw you, you were in New Zealand. Yeah. And now you're right here. That would open up so many more questions yeah. than just, now nah, you can't come in here. But I feel like they probably had people who knew that they were there in right. the country. That's the Which crazy part. Opens up so many more questions. But yeah. we also find out Jane O'Brien Media, they've got so many PIs at their disposal. Yeah. You know, they have so many people that they're just constantly paying that offer them this security, mm. right? But yeah, no, we, then we move on from that because then it's kind of a dead end. Then it's kind of like, where yeah. do we go from here? And that's what takes us to um, the... Richard, who's Rich, the fetishist. Richard's the fetishist. Uh, very open guy. Very. This is the probably the silliest part 
not, not silly necessarily, but just kind of like a, all right, we're going to have some fun. Yeah. You know, it like is. we get to see how he operates. We see this extreme slow motion, yeah. uh, like shot of him filming a tickle video with this guy. Yeah. And um, that's where I think there's a moment in that scene where I think it talks about us. They don't really touch on this issue yeah. in the movie, but it's the issue of consent yeah. with these kind of tickling videos. Because, like, there was a one moment where he's, like, the guy he was tickling, the fetishist, Richard, yeah. he was, like, please stop at one point. Or she right. said something about, like, stop doing this. Yeah. And I think that gets into the question of, like, can you have consent when you're being tickled? Because it's, like, your body, like, will react and want you to stop. Right. And so it's, like, it deals with this issue of, like, is tickling really consensual if your body is <laughs> avidly reacting, don't do this. Right. Like, get out of the situation. Right. Yeah, no, it's not, because it's not like sex. No. Where people, you're, like, there, there's not a natural inclination of the body to reject sex in every case. Yeah. Like there is with tickling. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you wonder, like, is there a safe word for these guys? They don't really get into that. No. Because like, they, they put the man in a in a foot guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> so his feet can be tickled and his arms are bound above him. Um And it's clearly kind of a guy, I kind of like, we only get a little bit of this guy before the shoot starts, where he's just kind of like... Yeah, no, I'll do anything. Like, he's just kind of like, yeah, I'll try everything once. Like, that's just kind of his whole yeah. attitude. Oh, the, the guy he's tickling? Yeah, yeah. Just this kind of young, athletic guy, you know. Probably, um, probably like, a lot of these people are probably, like, porn stars. I think some of them are porn stars, too. Which is probably, like, you know, this is the easiest day for them, probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you think about it. Um, but then, I, oh, gosh, the, the cut, the slow-mo cut to the guy who, the fetishist doing the tickling. And he's, like, smiling. Smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's great and then it cuts to um david farrier looking with his kind of just like somewhat like a hmm kind of face yeah if i describe his face most of the time it's like a hmm yeah okay like and that's and that was one like of the big laughs i had yeah. yeah it's indifferent but curious yeah you know <laughs> and so um but there i think in that scene there is genuinely a look on his face of kind of like i don't really get this yeah like it's not hostile that's the it. moment he realizes maybe this isn't for me this isn't for me you know, I saw it, which we, we hey, we came, we saw, not for us. Um, but A lesser documentary would have, like, had him be tickled at one point, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It would have been, like, how about you get in the chair? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he does the tickling. Yeah. But also that would, at that point, I think, that would genuinely, genuinely cross some, like, journalistic barriers yeah. you know where it's like at that would point, detract from the movie at that point you are documenting yourself yes you know where it, it could be argued that he is up to that point but up to that point it's like you're not there is like that you're not allowed to interact yeah. like, like similar, michael moore would have like probably been tickled or tickled someone oh yeah i know he would have for sure and i want i wanted to get to michael moore later because that is a kind of a comparison i wanted to bring up but um it is like with old uh photographers when they used to like shoot war one thing is like there was always like a do you ever see news radio or not news radio? That's a sitcom. Do you ever see um, broadcast news? The I haven't broadcast. seen all of it. No. So there's an important part of that where they're they're shooting some like uh, just like some tribal like locals in this one place, mm-hmm. and there's a guy like tying his shoe, and somebody's telling him like how to do it, and then Holly Hunter's character, who's like a real like she's all about journalistic integrity, she goes, "No, no, sir, do whatever you're gonna do." And that's kind of what the point is. You don't tell them what to do. Yeah. You just record and you're like, do what you're going to do. And so interfering and becoming a part of that would genuinely cross barriers of like what you're supposed to do. You yeah. know, when you're documenting something. 
Um, but anyway, after that, we kind of get back into the main plot because we learn through this fetishist that there were these chat rooms back in the day upon the invention of the internet. Yeah. And that's how he knew of... Um, that he wasn't alone. That he wasn't alone. There were other people yeah. with this because he kind of talks about it like, yeah, there's foot fetishes. There's all this other stuff. Like, of course there's a tickle fetish. Yeah. And it, he says that it was like from like a very young age. Yes. Like he, five or six. Yes. Yeah. Um... I before I knew what a boner was. This guy yeah, knew. exactly. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, we—that's when we learn about Terry DeSisto. Yes. Uh, uh, who appears to be a pretty blonde lady who was into tickling. Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah very Laura say. Palmer-esque photo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we kind of get into the whole Terry DeSisto story, where it turns out a lot has already been uncovered there, mm-hmm. um, where we follow. Uh, a couple other reporters yes um who got into the story themselves and and that's a huge info dump in the movie where you kind of really it puts everything into perspective yes. i think and that's where you find out who the subject of the documentary is yeah. like it takes a while before you realize like oh this is a, almost a character piece yeah <laughs> and we learn we we meet uh dave star which very hollywood name that's yes. his that's his that's their that's her talent agent who I legitimately think didn't know that it was David D'Amato. I don't believe he was aware. Yeah, I don't think he was aware either because so he's he was pretty down to earth about all that kind of stuff. Like he was like a porn caster or like a porn he, he's, casting he did, agent. Did everything. Yeah, he everything, did everything in the town. Yeah, porn casting agent. Even acted in porn apparently a yeah. couple times, uh, and and so he's he's just very open about everything he did, everything he knew. He's mm-hmm. one of the few people who speaks out. I think he. He says that he was contacted and told, like, something like, hey, don't talk to these guys. Mm. And he still says it. And he shows them old correspondence. Yeah, where he, even an unopened one. Right. So he was working for Terry DeSisto. Um, and she was writing him handwritten letters requ- requesting... From jail. From, which we don't well, know at the time. Exactly. Uh, requesting... Oh, wait, yeah, no, I spoiled it. Sorry, sorry. yeah, that's right. Well, people, no, hopefully people She was it. in the hospital. He's, she right, claims. right. Uh, and so he never met this person who, who was employing him, who was getting him to make these videos, and then eventually she's threatening him and... Uh, Calling him just horrible, yeah, and anti-Semitic then, names. Oh, and, God, one really creepy part is when they play the the sound like the robot the automated voice sound yeah. that apparently multiple people people got just saying like hello you are associated with like with you know sexual deviant uh dave star dave star and like it's so creepy because it's a robot voice so it's like we, there's no voice we attach to this desisto lady mm-hmm. um she eggs him on about his dead brother. Yeah. Um, all of this stuff. And yeah, they open, that's one of the, when they open that new one, it's like in a card. It's psychopathic. Yeah. It's in like a greeting card mm-hmm. that she's sending him this stuff. So, and then that's where you immediately, you make this, you make this parallel and you're like, oh, this person's behaving like, like eerily similar to Debbie to Kuhn and Debbie Debbie O'Brien. Kuhn and De- yeah, and Debbie O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Debbie Kuhn and uh, yeah, Jane O'Brien. Um, which I think at this point in the documentary, if you haven't figured out that they're probably the same person, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, um, but yeah, no, I, I found that fascinating and I thought he was a great character too. They kind of undercover all these good little characters in this section. I love the lady who, 
apparently she talked to DeSisto. She chatted with her a little bit at night and like learned from her and kind of found the out reporter, that, yeah. yeah, the reporter. And you find out that she, she kind of got a bit more of a character reading on her that she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, she's into power over these young men. And she's like, Oh, I'm drinking Chardonnay. But I love how there's mo- little moments of her getting so excited yeah. where they're like handing her the letters yeah. after the revelation of who this was. Yeah. Because we found out from another guy that basically we found out that DeSisto was a high school assistant principal. Is that correct? He was an assistant principal? Yes, he was. Well, he had multiple school jobs. He worked at 10 schools over 8 years. Yes. Uh, 8 schools over 10 years, I believe. And this is where we find out about David D'Amato. This is the first time we hear the name. So he's a man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terry DeSisto, Jane O'Brien... David and Debbie Coon. And Debbie Coon. Presumably, yeah. They're all they're all David D'Amato. Um, and David D'Amato was he actually committed serious a serious felony where he he used a real he used real uh, social security numbers. Yeah. And would pretend to be other people so he could run this operation yeah. all those and, years ago. And we learned that that's the only thing that he ever has ever been charged with as mm-hmm. of as of the time of the documentary. Right. He was only charged for fraud. And like cyber or something. Even though there's clear mass ex- extortion happening, right? Yeah. Like, like the the way that he's shaking all these people down for their services and uh, and using these videos against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's fascinating, and it's it's a part of the documentary that you're just like that. That was probably where I started. Like my hair started standing on end mm-hmm. when you just kind of finally get to. You start getting to the bottom of this. But I love that when then that's when they have the revelation that, oh, these handwritten letters are not sent from the hospital. They were sent from jail. Yeah. Because he was in a, he went to a halfway house for a bit. And and, uh, and I love, like, the the reporter lady, she's so excited about it. Yeah. She's, like, reaching forward, like, oh, give me that. I want to read this next one. And you kind of see her, like, getting mm-hmm. excited. And, um, and that's where you're like, oh, we're cooking. We're actually uncovering a lot here. Because yeah. even though somebody had already caught him, we're now, it's now um, David Ferrier and Kyle, not Kyle, why do I keep calling him Kyle? Um, oh, uh, Dylan. Dylan, who are m- making this connection that he's still active and he's still doing the tickling stuff. Um, so you have a lot of notes. I want to make sure we're getting to what you want to yeah, talk no, about. Yeah, no, we're just kind of going through the movie. I just like was writing notes during the movie. Okay, like, okay. To remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To have him on the back burner. Um, so yeah, after that point, we, um, we, we're kind of back on track. We're like, okay, we think we know who our guy is, right? Yeah. Um, so like, basically like around the time that he went to jail. Mm-hmm. So that's when Terry, Terry Tickle slash Terry DeSisto. Went to the hospital. Went to the hospital. And wrote handwritten letters. And wrote handwritten letters. Terry DeSisto kind of faded into obscurity. And Jane O'Brien popped up very soon after. Exactly. So that's why there's this, obviously, this clear parallel of they're the same person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we, um, yeah, so he takes legal action. He says, he sent, like, lawyers and investigators to David and Dylan mm-hmm. telling them that he's not Jane and that um, they're not like they're not they they're not, they're not like taking responsibility for one another. Like David saying that he's not Jane, Jane saying that he's not David. Yeah, exactly. So they're getting what's so funny is they're getting legal action from both sides. Yeah, actual hired legal representation from the same guy pretending yeah. to be different people. Yes, uh, and PIs and all of these people reaching mm-hmm. out to them. Right. 
Um, and so there's all these stakes. There's we find out the producers of the film are kind of like, hey, I don't know if we should go through with this. Yeah. Um, which is great. You know, that's sort of the third act low point. Yeah. Of like, oh, we're gonna pull through. We're gonna, yeah. We're gonna see this to and, the end. Yeah. And then we get to Michigan. We Muskegon. get to Michigan. Muskegon, Michigan. That's where my jaw dropped. Yes. That's where I was like, oh, this isn't just like a. We always think like, oh, weirdos are all, they're all on the coast. Yeah, they're on the coast. Like this kind of stuff, this weird kind of... Well, especially like sexually fetish people. Yes. We associate with porn stars, which are on the coast. And especially, yeah, when there's an industry out of it, of some kind of sucking you up and spitting you out industry like this. The the weird fringes, yeah, Yeah. that's LA. This is honestly, I think, the grossest part of the movie. Yes, and the saddest. It's the saddest and the grossest part of the movie. And I think that the movie, this is one of my only critiques of the movie... Is that I feel like they there's a character that we meet named Jordan. Yeah. And he I'm not gonna beat around the bush. He's a pedophile. He lured these young underage men into him, into these tickling scenarios and recording them without their permission. And his parents were like, Yeah, we just didn't want him to get involved with these little kids, you know. But mm. you know, he did it anyway. And I'm just like Jordan, like, you're a pedophile. Like, you were enabling this horrible stuff to go that was going yeah. on. Yeah. And it's so, like, it's such a filthy part of the movie. It's and there's awful. definitely an aspect of it's, like, the he probably thinks he's redeeming himself by participating in the documentary, by helping yeah. expose it, you know, and that he doesn't do it anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, and that's because that's when we get into, like, the MMA fighters. And, yes. Yeah, all these young fighters that, and he was a fighter, right? Yeah. And so, and that's that was a big source of, and, and also, it's this is clear, like, we're targeting a poor town. Yes. We're targeting a place where people he, need money and they'll do anything for it. I can't remember what he called... They're, oh, they're called tickle cells scattered throughout the entire country. Right. So this is not just a coast thing. This is a... There's every, they're everywhere. Right. In Muskegon multiple is countries. the tip of the iceberg. In the, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're in multiple countries and continents. Yeah. Like, this is not a LA thing. This is a New York thing. This is a Muskegon thing. This is like an Australian thing. This is like an, a European thing. Yeah. 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 Terrifying. It is. I mean, I know people who live in Muskegon right now. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm sure, like, it's, yeah. And uh, what a, and that was sad, too, because then you see that even to this day, people are being, there. there's people in the neighborhood. There's one guy who talks to them who's anonymous. Yeah. And, you know, he says to him, he's like, yeah, my family's like a right-wing, like, military family. If they found out about any of this, like, my life would be over. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're like, yeah, it's... You know, that's the sad, it's the sad reality he, for so many But it's guys. the thing is, is that these people, Jane O'Brien or Dylan D'Amato was like enticing these people with this, these like thousands, like thousands of dollars. And mm-hmm. one person was like, they even had a car. Yeah. They even bought a car and $30,000 was given to them for doing these tickling videos. Yeah. So like you yeah. see these, you tar- he was targeting these, he's tar- probably currently mm-hmm. targeting these impoverished communities and like like taking advantage of them and their their like their struggles yeah definitely yeah and then um that kind of leads us to the the final act of the movie yeah which is the search for david damato yeah uh and i was like there's this documentary does not even though we found all of this out there's no way this documentary concludes satisfyingly if we don't see david damato yeah that's just what i kept thinking i was like are they gonna actually get to him because yeah. it felt impossible yeah the the stakes of this movie are so insane that you're kind of like i don't know if we will meet him yeah. you know and um you know against all odds they're able to track him down through hard staking out yeah. finding out where he lives supposedly mm-hmm. trying to contact him through the front desk it doesn't happen 
Um, so just waiting for him to leave and following him to a Starbucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before that, I think it's before that, we are introduced to another character in the story, which is his stepmother, Dorothy. No, that's the variant. Oh, that's, that's the variant. That's okay. the variant. Because we find out that his uh, his parents both died. Um, yeah. And his dad... He's a trust fund baby. He's a trust fund baby. That's how he affords to live. And his dad his dad had this huge law firm. And his mom was had millions too. And they try to contact... I love another part that's so chilling is they try to contact people at the law firm, people who are secretaries there, yes. saying like, hey, when's the, when did you I ever thought, see David? I thought... Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I'm, I must have it out of order. Right, because the stepmom comes at the very end. But stepmom comes. At the uh, very end. They talk to all these other people, and they're just like, "Yeah, I, I've spent a long time since I've seen David." And they're like, "Well, it's hard to find him," and they'll be like, "They just say like, we'll stay away from him." Yeah. And so you're like, all these people know something about David as a person that yeah. they're not disclosing, mm-hmm. and that opens up questions of like, are they simply saying that because they know from what they remember mm-hmm. that he was a strange guy and maybe a dangerous guy, or? Are they also somewhat aware of the operations he's running and they're afraid of what he's going to do to them now? Mm-hmm. You know? that's That opens up so many questions that we never really get answers to, yeah. too. Um, but yeah, and then there's the conf- confrontation with David D'Amato, which is not long. I didn't expect a long one. No. He's just quickly going from Starbucks to his car. No, we, we get we get the typical movie confrontation. Right. It's a Michael Moore-esque in com- the supplement com- we do. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. But in this movie, we get a very brief interaction. Right, right. And, and that's about it. And then it ends with them contacting his stepmom, which I think is the most chilling place to end the movie. Yes. The fact that it's the final scene of the movie is him on the phone with the stepmom, him telling her that he's up, that David's up to the tickling stuff again, and her just being like, oh, God, like, I can't believe it. Like, why would he do that? And then when it just ends on, like, a character beat of yeah. just like who is this guy and, and yeah it's she says something about like he might be gay but it might be related to a fetish yeah and like he was made fun of as a kid but he was very closely protected by his mother right like he was sheltered and like she thinks that like he might have a split personality mm-hmm. and like she's afraid of him yes she says yes. i was afraid of she him. was afraid of him. and that's where we end yeah. really <laughs> and like yeah but the and like kind of hearkening back to all this is that like the movie itself is like, and I think, yeah, it's about power. Yeah. It's about control. It's about harassment. It's about all these things. That's, I think that's a quote from the movie. The movie's about power, control, and harassment. Yeah, it's not and about like taking one it. person's like twisted and like how far it can go and like how like you use money to fuel your obsessions and your fantasies. Right. No, definitely. Um, and uh, and I love the yeah, It ends with that. And then, just the text telling you it's still happening. To this day, it's still, you know, there's still the videos popping up. Yeah. Um, and then I guess that brings us to the Tickle King. Yeah. Which is a 20-minute follow-up that uh, David and, and Dylan yeah. made. If you're going to watch this, or I mean, I hope you've watched this by now. If you're listening to this, I hope we didn't spoil it for you. Yes. But if you've seen it and you haven't seen the Tickle King, it is essential viewing to this movie. Yeah. For this experience. Right, right. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say... First time you saw the documentary, what were, you were sitting there once it ended. What was your feeling? It's just like, it's so, I think it's like everyone. It's just like this kind of like feeling of like, oh, it's still out there. It's like, it's like yeah. a horror movie ending with like the killer still loose. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my other question I want to ask too is like, as people who love film mm-hmm. and people who love the art of film, what do you think they do right in the construction of this film? 
obviously we'll get to David D'Amato's uh, uh, film crit- critiques <laughs> later. <laughs> but but uh, what what like what did you what do you think was effective about it the way they did it that made it work the way that it does? I think that like what makes this like a successful documentary is that like it is not only it's incredibly entertaining at times when it needs to be yeah but it's also very like it's it's like informative but also entertaining and that's the best type of documentary for me at least yeah. as someone who's not like the most into nonfiction. right is like it's very digestible in that way and it's like it, it's like almost like a true crime podcast for people yes it's like you are engaged in the presentation of this story because mm-hmm. you like the characters involved and you and each and that's like that's how it is it's like almost these are almost like characters you're right that you were saying yeah is that these figures in david d'amato's life are basically just the characters of this movie right and so i think that and that brings me to one when i was looking at the negative reviews Mm -hmm. a thing that came up and there aren't there aren't many it's a pretty beloved movie yeah but uh the people who are feel negatively about it they keep bringing up the netflix the netflixification of documentaries. This and, is even before that, though. This is 2015 when right. we were filming this. This was pre-Making a Murderer, yeah. all that stuff. Um, and I do understand the criticism of, like, yeah, this, like, oh, we got to add eerie music. We got to make this emotional. It's got to be, like, a movie or else mm-hmm. people will be too stupid to pay attention or yeah. something. I think that is something I call out if, like, Netflix made this stupid documentary series about the disappearing of Elisa Lam. Okay. And... It's so bad because it's just interviews with YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And it has all of that production quality that you expect. And at the end of it, you haven't revealed anything. Yeah, It's just the same shit we know. Mm-hmm. And something about this, this is a story that requires this type of storytelling, I think. Because yeah. it is a stranger than fiction story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's totally justifiable in this case. But also, I think beyond the Netflixification... It's the Michael Moreification as well. Yeah. Where in the late 80s, Michael Moore redefined the documentary as a type of movie that regular people go out to see. Mm-hmm. That didn't really happen before him. In certain cases it did, but he made it like a thing that plays in the theaters. And he said, like, I want Roger and me to be a great time out at the movies, too. Yeah. And uh, and there is a Michael Moreification, obviously, here. with the. It's also focused on the guys making it. Yeah. And them kind of getting into antics, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of both. But, but I think they balance that a little... They right. balance it more than Michael Moore does, whereas he's like the kind of the main character of the movie. Yes. Whereas opposed to this one, where like they are very much focused on like staying out of it. And it brings us back to what we were saying earlier too, where it's like these are goofy guys. These are yeah. they're not they're right, not they're serious like MTV journalists. pop people, and they're not pretending that they're not those kinds of guys mm-hmm. too. And I think that's okay. They're very they're very transparent yeah. Yeah. with who they are. So the Tickle King. Yeah. Uh, Follows pretty much the fest, the film festival circuit, yeah, and then the release of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, where they were uh, they bombarded, have bombarded harassed, by dying. private investigators, people who came to the theater trying to secretly record it in Starbucks cups. Yeah, uh, the when they reveal the twist that the guy who was filming it with the Starbucks cup was his security guard in the yeah. final scene, that was mind blowing. Oh gosh, yeah, because it's just like holy shit, that's the same guy. And then not just even before that, there are photos of Kevin and the nice guy yeah. just out around the town and they have apparently bought tickets to every showing. Yeah, There's audience that. members that complain about some mysterious guy next to them angrily taking notes. And that what was that Kevin? That or turned that out confirmed? to be Kevin. That turned out to be Kevin. And yes. it made me wonder, I was like, gosh, I would be terrified. I remembered one time when I was... 
uh, like 17 or 18, I went to see one of the Insidious movies, whichever mm-hmm. had come out at the time, and it was a near-empty theater. And halfway through the theater, some guy, some elderly man comes in with a walker. Mm. And I was like, what's he doing watching this movie? And he kept walking up and down the theater and then sat like a little ways behind me. And it freaked me out the whole time. Yeah, And I'm like... Sitting in this movie next to an angry man writing on a legal pad oh, no. would be ten times the fear that I felt yeah. <laughs> in that insidious movie. Like I thought this old man might be a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm in this theater, I'm like, oh, I might be sitting next to one of the members of this tickle empire. <laughs> and I don't see his face. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, the hat drops. We uh, we go to a, a screening. Because we do find out that uh, at the end of the documentary, David DeMondo lives in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but we end up following um, Dylan yeah. to a screening in, in LA. LA. Which is honestly, it's probably one of the, like, a lot of people say that, like, you know, the Office Scott's Tots episode, or like, <laughs> a lot of people cite very cringy moments in media. Yeah. But, like, this might be right up there because it is hard to watch. It's difficult. Because you're just like, I mean, I can't even imagine. Being in that room. Oh my gosh. That would have been... Man, the credits roll. Yeah. And you go, holy shit. They're here. The man that this is about. I'd be afraid he's going to kill us or something. Yeah. I'd be so scared. You're like, I'm like shaking. Thinking about like, but the fact that not only is Kevin there, we, he walks into the theater and who happens yeah, to be in that room? Yeah, he's in the room? lobby. Yeah, Kevin's in the Dylan, lobby confronting Dylan. Him. Dylan walks in to do the Q&A after the screening and David D'Amato himself has sat there and watched the entire, entire movie. The entire movie. And yeah. the entire Q&A, as we will learn. Yes. And he's the type of guy who is so unpredictable. The first thing he does is goes up and gives uh, he gives uh, Dylan an intense handshake. They hold on for about a minute or two. As he's talking as to he's him. As he's yeah. talking to him. Yeah. Basically telling him, like, yeah, get legal representation, you know. Kind but of. I love the movie. But I love the movie. It reminded me of when I found out uh, after Black Klansman came out. Yeah. Have you heard this? David Duke called uh, um, Ron Stallworth on the phone because that was how he, the release of the book is how he found out that Ron Stallworth was not really a, uh-huh. a white guy and that it was a black detective. He called Ron Stallworth on the phone and said, hey, I just saw the trailer for this new Spike Lee movie and I just want to say it looks great. Big big admirer of Spike Lee's work, but I am a little uh, upset about how I'm going to be portrayed. <laughs> <laughs> Which alone is a wild story, right? Yeah. But that's, it's like the David Duke approach of like, oh yeah, great film, you know, wonderful job, but also everything about it's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's fascinating. Um, but then, yeah, you get to see just, you get to be a fly on the wall of the following, where um, Dylan's doing his best. He actually tries to get, every, he tries to get him on stage yeah. to do the Q&A with him. He's like, mm-hmm. well, if you're here, yeah, do the Q&A with us, David. And he's like, he insists on sitting and eating popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the hugest part where you realize this all is about David D'Amato and who is he? What kind of guy is he? And this is the most time we ever get with him and ever will get with him. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about that? What's your takeaway of David watching him during the scene of the Tickle King and seeing his eventual response? It's like, I mean, it's like very clearly like, psychotic or sociopathic yeah like the acceptance of beration and like taking like taking hits like with a smile on your face yeah that's like that's a psychotic behavior (laughs) like that is creepy as shit right just the fact that he's just like they make this whole movie about how like 
horrible of a person he is. And mm. he's like, man, I love that. That was hilarious. Well, he's, that was yeah, amazing. I think he's like, he's like, the one thing I'll say, you know, some of the music choices, the editing, you know, all like uh, the the uh, choreography was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, thanks, David. But then he's just like, but, uh, you know, as they say in New York, uh, lawyer up. Yeah. It's like, you're going to want to get legal represent. And the audience, I think when the audience tries booing him and Dylan's just like, no, and he's trying to shut yeah. them down. Yeah. And I understand from his perspective, he's like, no, we want him to stay. We want to get as much out of this guy as possible. Yeah. We're recording it. Like, this is going to go on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we kind of get a... The final conversation, I think, outside of the theater is the final the final bit of kind of really understanding him where he... Now it's about sexuality again. Yeah. And him saying, like... This is not a gay thing. This is not a gay thing. We find out he's very openly homophobic, yeah. supposedly, and it's it's ambiguous as to whether or not he's homophobic genuinely or if it is a suppression thing. Uh, but then kind of tries to get, say to Kyle, or tries to say to Dylan, like, you know, hey, if you're a straight man, you're a family man, like, what? why is there no alliance? Yeah. <laughs> like, trying to get him on his side yeah. against David. David Ferrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ferrier. Um that's pretty much it. That's the last we get of him. Yeah. And then the and then the Tickle King ends with a title card saying that competitive endurance tickling, they stopped in LA. Yeah. But in twenty seventeen oh. a video popped up of Tickle Auditions, leaving uh, it with the ending of it's still happening. It's still happening. It's I'm to, getting tears in my eyes thinking about it. It's going to continue. And it's to so creepy. You yeah. see this video, the guy's faces are blurred out, but it's like hey, thanks for the new car. And mm-hmm. And we love we love Jane O'Brien media. Yeah. Anyway, like when I'm ticklish, blah blah blah, and you're like, oh, it's inhuman. It's yeah. so creepy. It's like watching a hostage video. Yeah. Nothing. No, and that's the, that's the horrible part is that nothing will change. Right. Because I, he's got so much money and he's so much in power. I want to read a statement. So tickled came out in 2016. Yeah. The Tickle King was released 2017, right after the release of the movie. Um. In March of 2017, just after that, David D'Amato passed away. Really? And um, David Ferrier and um, uh, Dylan released a statement. They said, We're incredibly sad to learn of the death of David P. D'Amato. The subject of Tickled has passed away. We don't know any specific details about his death at this time. David D'Amato has been a part of our lives for about three years now. A very unusual three years. And despite the various lawsuits he brought against us, this news is something that brings us no joy and has hit us pretty hard. We mostly knew David through talking to those he had interacted with online over the last 20 years and people he had been close to. We only met him twice. Once in Garden City and another time when he turned up to a screening of the documentary in Los Angeles. We met a man who came out swinging, so to speak, threatening more lawsuits, while at the same time connecting that he commenting that he enjoyed certain elements of the film. It seems to us... That underneath it all, he did have a certain sense of humor. It is also clear to us that he had certain troubles, and those troubles, those are troubles we had hoped we would come to terms with at some point. While making Tickled, we always thought it was important to portray David D'Amato not just as an online bully, but as a person. That is why the closing minutes of Tickled are so important to us, an insight into D'Amato, the person. Ultimately, we'll never know all of the things that made David the man he was. Like all of us, he was complex and complicated. So we ask you to keep in mind that while David appears to have lived a very solitary life, he did have friends and family members. We ask that in comments online and out there in the real world, you treat this information in this man's passing with respect fascinating yeah and then they attached that to an article that they wrote together which uh i'll send you it's called life after tickles king's death and they point out that even after his death jane o'brien media continued to be run by a new person Mm. somebody who was referred to by kevin when he was interviewed on tv 
about the guys saying, oh, this is all slander. Mm. He said, oh, yeah, we're not related to David D'Amato, according to my boss. And his boss is Louis Peluso, yeah. who apparently now, or at that point in time, was the new runner of Jane O'Brien Media. And then even gave them a, gave his own company a five-star review and said, if I do say so myself, rest in peace, rest in peace David. So your, your company had nothing to do with David D'Amato. And the first thing you say is, rest in peace, David. <laughs> and he apparently is still receiving, at, at that point in time, was still receiving checks from David D'Amato, even after David's death. Yeah. So, I don't know what the, in the year of our Lord 2022, I don't know what the current, uh, you know, state is for this. Maybe mm. I'll look it up before the outro, but, yeah, it's chilling, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, any other comments on that before I read out some negative reviews real quick? I mean, like... There's, like, so much more we should be working on. Oh, my gosh, yeah. In the world. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. But, um, and, like, so many other things that are dire to our needs. But I also think, like, it kind of talks about, like, the movie's kind of about, like, small stakes issues that kind of snowballed into something bigger. Yeah. That's, like, it's not global warming. Right. It's but it's abuse that's going on. It's also an actual international conspiracy. Yeah. Legitimately, and I'm it's not, not saying that. It's not conspiracy theory, like QAnon uh, yeah. stuff. It's right. Just like, <laughs> I'm not it's like, no, it's hat. real. It's like this is objectively. <laughs> yeah. Thing. And something the movie hints at, <clears throat> excuse me, that it never fully delves into, and this is one criticism that comes up is that it doesn't entirely get into the sy- systemic problems at hand for why David. D'Amato never really faced any more justice Mm -hmm. for what he was doing. And there's plenty to get into, and I don't think David Ferrier and Dylan are the guys to do it, frankly. And I think they know they're not the guys to do it. No, yeah. They, like, if, yeah, you get someone like a Walter Cronkite or, like, someone like that. Yeah. To, you get them to be like, here's the systemic ways and all the events leading up to why David D'Amato is in power and how he started abusing that power. Whereas they're like, just kind of exposing it and undercut and uncovering right. Here it. Here it is. Here it is. Do what Do you with will it. with it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Do with it what you will. Yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, a couple of these are too long, but there's one. Here, I think I'll just read one negative review. Okay. Because it, a couple of them are just like, one person actually said, this is what's wrong with documentary film. Too much deliberate drama. This film didn't have enough material to be on the local news, let alone a documentary. I'm like, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um... But this one is my favorite one because, oh boy, as I read this review, you're going to find out some things about the writer. Mm. And it's fascinating. In William Gibson's Pattern Recognition, a young woman is tasked with finding the creator of mysterious film clips which have been slowly appearing online. These clips have accumulated an enormous, passionate fan base who refer to themselves as footage heads and take to forums to share fan theories and speculate about the origin of the footage. As the protagonist of Pattern Recognition begins to uncover hints on where these video clips come from, she begins to realize that the people who have hired her to investigate intend to market and monetize the footage and utilize its viral quality for advertising or whatever. The most recent clip that has appeared online is of two people kissing. In Tickled, a journalist takes on much of the same task, but this time, instead of the forces of monetization being something the lead character wants to resist, it is precisely that safe, inevitably successful mindset that happily engulfs the entire documentary. I wouldn't argue with that. I think it's fair. 
Uh, if you want to know what it feels like to watch Tickled, think almost exactly like Catfish or Making a Murder or whatever. I don't pretend I'm some connoisseur of documentaries, but this next Netflixication of style renders all these completely different stories with the same dull beats, the same generic rhythms, the same overproduced, easily digestible simplicity. And it's a shame, because the story at the core of this movie is actually pretty interesting. In particular, the actual clips of the tickling videos are incredible. One stationary camera, perpendicular to a young man strapped to a bed by leather cuffs, a white background. Other guys in athletic get-ups, jersey shorts, straddle him, tickle his abdomen. It's the contradiction between how genuinely hot these clips are, and the tragedy and stress you learn that these boys experience after the fact due to their participation that gives these videos their weight. It's you as the viewer watching them. Them, simultaneously sad and turned on not knowing how to feel a documentary repeatedly casts the videos as quote-unquote wacky one day we will realize much like gibson's protagonist that we have been largely fooled by forces that will package and make marketable all that is interesting and complicated in this world we will applaud as they turn these things into sleek hbo funded stephen fry endorsed productions and will leave the cinema and look forward to telling our co-workers about this super weird documentary i saw because you like to give them the impression that you're the the kind of quote-unquote cultured guy around the office <laughs> so that's awesome i love that's my favorite part of any review i've ever seen is when he goes when you're simultaneously turned on <laughs> and you know, i'm just like oh yeah that feeling we all felt right guys <laughs> not just me <laughs> and look <coughs> you, you know we hear it we're in movies we don't kink shame of course no. But also, I don't think the movie's kink-shaming either. Like, the movie is very open about it. It's like, hey, here's a guy who does an industry out of it. It's yeah. the, not the kink that's the issue. No. Like, it's... They go out of their way to say that in the movie. No, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a, what a character study that review is on yeah. its own, so... I would love to do more reviews from them. Yes, see if, yeah. See if they're similar. I'm gonna look up, I'm gonna look up their profile. We'll look yeah. and see. <laughs> um, anyway, any other further comments uh, before we uh, wrap up? Um... I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not sure. I hope, you know, if you watch the movie to listen to this, yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Thank you for talking with me. It's been an honor. Of course. Thank you for it. getting me to watch it. I, I'm so happy I finally saw it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you liked it. It's something I'll be thinking about for days. I genuinely had trouble sleeping last night afterwards. I was so creeped out. Yeah. Like, it's it was the feeling following watching a horror movie. Yeah. It's, it could be a spooky movie season movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Spe yeah, and it's coming, so... Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Uh, lastly, you've got some things to plug. You have a book out. Yeah. Now. What's your book? It's called, um, Mind Glimpse. It's just a collection of short stories. It's on Amazon. You can look that up with my name and it'll come up on Amazon. Okay. Or if you live in the Lansing area, it's at Schuler Books. All right. And, uh, do you have any plays coming up? I don't know the next time I'll be on, but if you're in the Lansing area... In February, uh, downtown Lansing, I will be directing Misery for Red Walk Theater. Sweet. That's going to yeah. be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. 
All right, everybody, that wraps up yet another episode of We Are Movies. Thank you so much for listening. Huge thank you to my buddy Aiden Supel for coming on. I really appreciate it, as always. Um, check out his book, Mind Glimpse. You can buy it on Amazon. I've put a link in the description to this episode. And uh, you can also follow Aiden on Letterboxd if you want to keep up with his movie takes. He's on there at Aiden619, A-Y-D-E-N-619. And uh, also, if you're a fan of the podcast and you haven't yet, I really would appreciate a review um, on Apple Podcasts or, uh, or iTunes. Um, that's just uh, I, th- that's really helpful, and I always I was uh, just appreciate seeing the uh, the affirmations. Um, that helps me uh, keep going every day. Um, but um, if you're not a fan of the podcast, then don't worry about it. Uh, forget I asked, and. Um, also, you can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at We Are Movies Pod. Uh, you can like the the Facebook page, We Are Movies. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Johnny Mockney Comedy if you want to keep up with my comedy stuff. And um, that is just about it. Uh, that's all I have for you today. I'll be back with you very soon. In a couple of weeks, we'll be getting into the uh, Christmassy episodes. I have a couple of fun stuff. A couple of fun stuff, a couple of fun things, or some fun stuff. One of those two. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got fun things planned uh, for that season, and I hope you enjoy it. So, without any further ado, I uh, hope you have a great day, and um, make sure you tickle the ones you love. <laughs>